Hello and welcome to episode 215 of the N Focus podcast. This is a special 2022 year in review episode where we're going to look back over all the games that we played and uh, all the games that came out in 2022 and just uh, recollecting how we feel about them over time. Uh, uh, this is sort of our game of the year episode, but not really. Uh, we'll, we'll get to round to picking our game of the year at the end of this episode, but uh, in terms of you know handing out arbitrary awards based on graphics and soundtrack and storyline and our favorite indie and all that we're just we're not going to do that this year it's it's such a boring format it's so passe jeff Keeley has ruined it for everybody good job jeff all right <laughs> so let's move on with our end of year discussion Now, one of the benefits of the Switch is just how many games are out for it at this point. There's always something new you can play, even if it's not something new, new. Uh, so what games have we been playing in the past year that uh, are actually old games? They, they didn't come out in 2022. Okay, so I wrote in our notes Fortnite, which feels like a bit of a cheat, I will admit. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> a bit of a cheat. <laughs> Hasn't Fortnite always been around... Fortnite's been around since, I want to say, 2017, the Battle Royale mode. Oh, it just feels like, and then God said, then there was light, and then Fortnite appeared. Yeah. At uh, this that's, point. That's in, the, that's in Genesis. <laughs> and then God said, winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, donate V-Bucks to your local church. So, <laughs> um, this was the year that I really... It grabbed my attention. I've played before back in Chapter 1, I guess it's called now. And I've played all the way through the entirety of Chapter 3, and now it's up to Chapter 4. Basically just means different islands. <laughs> it's really just held my attention. It's designed to, and it did. I think it's designed to extract money from your bank account. How well is it yeah. doing that? Well, pretty good, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For me, Fortnite is... A uh, place to hang out with my friends, dress up as my favorite characters. Hell, you even get a little bit of gender envy from some of them. <laughs> it's just kind of turned into, like, Mr. Zuckerberg is always going on about the metaverse. <laughs> I feel like the that Fortnite is the closest thing to that right now. It's certainly closer to what he pitched than what he made. Yeah, because Battle Royale mode isn't the only mode. There's a uh, creative mode where... People can build their own maps and games and stuff that you can play in. And they like to spotlight some of their favorite ones every now and then. So on top of Battle Royale mode, we've been playing this game called Color Dash, where it puts you all in uh, cars and there are tiles that are different colors. And it'll say, it's like musical chairs, it'll say blue. And then you have to drive to a blue tile uh, before the rest of the tiles disappear and you fall and then you're out. It sounds really simple. And it is, but it's a lot of hectic fun, and it tends to be something that we play just as much as Battle Royale some weeks. But also the fact that Battle Royale, the map is always changing. There's always events going on. It's not just by the skins. It is also, you know, there's a bit of a story to it. You know, it's it's no Citizen Kane. I, I'm guessing that's the highest bar for <laughs> fiction. I don't know. I've never seen it. <laughs> it's okay. You know, it, it's it's enough to keep you interested and to keep you coming back and finding out what happens next. Uh, and the fact that that story actually affects the world that you play in, it's interesting. Uh, so honestly, Fortnite's just taken up a lot of my time this year just because it's a fun social thing to do with friends online. Getting other people into Fortnite because everyone goes does that. You, Fortnite, you play Fortnite. And then they try it out and they're like, oh, okay, I see it. I think it definitely is also emblematic of a lot of issues in the gaming industry regarding uh, FOMO, especially, or fear of missing out. There's a lot of stuff in the game that you just can't get anymore, and they're always releasing new things that just will never show up again. Anything in a battle pass, once the battle pass is over, it's gone, and I don't like that, because there are some characters like Lara Croft that I'll just never get. But overall, good fun, highly recommend it. If you have people to play with, I, I can't say that I like playing solo, personally, but you might. Uh, and I don't like playing build mode, because who needs mm -hmm. that? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't play it if they didn't have zero builds. Exactly. Yeah. I did play it when it did have zero build mode, and I'll, all the whole time I wished it had zero build mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it worked. It worked. I've said this a million times, but it worked when it was a tower defense game like it was originally. It doesn't make sense as a, a function in a battle royale game. No, it doesn't. There, there's another mode that I just don't play called uh, Team Rumble, where it drops two teams onto the island where they battle each other. I can oh, see yeah. the build mode making sense there, but it is still... I don't know. I'm over 30 now. I'm, I can't wrap my head around the build mode controller at least yeah like some of these people you shoot them and they turn into you know a city an entire city of just buildings and ramps and it's annoying still regardless zero mood uh zero build mode has really recaptured my interest and just turned it into a really fun at times hectic but overall just fun and it runs well on switch for the most part all, all things considered considering it's a giant game that's always changing. There's always new stuff getting added to it. They've just updated the graphics in the game as well. And some of those graphics updates made it to this latest release on Switch. Not all of them, but enough of them that, you know, it makes a noticeable difference. But, you know, there's a reason why people will call things Switch graphics with large ports like this. <laughs> when I played, there was dramatic swings in how well the game ran almost from week to week it was kind of distressing sometimes yeah uh, i mean the good thing is is that if you have multiple platforms it's cross progression so you can play on your switch you can play on your playstation xbox pc mobile phone even if you have android and your all your cosmetics all your progress everything just rolls over seamlessly and uh, I think that's definitely setting a standard for other games. Not necessarily just multiplayer games, just Hades did something similar as well. And I just wish more things would do that. Just have all your stuff together. Play on one, especially with the Switch as well. I guess it's a little harder when it's a mobile platform and it doesn't always have an internet connection. But it's still doable. Yeah, because Dead by Daylight were meant to have done it for the Switch and the, everything, and they still haven't, I don't think. Yeah. And I would, I would love to be able to sit and play that on the Switch with all the stuff that I've, you know, all the progression I've got. But I'm like, because it doesn't have that, I'm like, meh, I don't really want to play it right now. <laughs> it definitely, <laughs> like, encourages you to, like, keep going with it. Yeah. I couldn't really pick that many things because every year I'm not usually not playing a game that came out that year because I can't always afford the games that come out on the year that they come out. And then when I do, I get them on Christmas Day, and then I like usually have to. I just wait till January. Um, but my pick of the year was probably Somnium Files, which I think originally came out in two thousand nineteen. But a lot of like two thousand nineteen and two thousand twenty one all kind of mesh into the same year for a lot of us. It kind of reintroduced me to really liking visual novels, and I do have the sequel. I still haven't played it yet. It's just really cool to see a game that not only plays really well on the Switch, I actually, I've got it on the PS4 as well and I actually prefer the Switch version. I don't think I, there's any graphical, too many graphical differences, I just think it's quite nice on the Switch. And it was really cool playing a Japanese developed game that was very LGBTQIA plus friendly, which is sadly kind of unusual. There's a lot of games that come out even recently that can be a bit questionable looking at you persona but somnium <laughs> files is really cool on that front and the story is really cool it's i think it's on sale again and i'm just telling people to please please play it even if you don't like visual novels because it's like a whodunit murder mystery thing i just love that game and i now have a figure of the girl from it um Aiba, and she sits on my computer desk and i love her so much and i was also playing lots of mario party superstars which is literally like the probably one of the best in the entire series and obviously that comes out whenever I have people around. And uh, and that came out a while ago now. When did they last? Um, they're probably due another one. Oh, yeah, 2021 uh, with Superstars. And it's mainly based on the first two Mario Party games. Because um, it has like all the old um, mini games and stuff in it. I just don't understand why there's not loads of boards. And honestly, if Nintendo were like, here, pay 30 quid for like five more boards, I'd totally do that. I kind of lean to playing loads of games now and then. I've also been obsessed. Was it called Lumines? Lumin... I think it's Luminous. Yeah, I played 
too many hours of that on multiple consoles, including the Switch, <laughs> this year or last year, as you now say. I'm really bad at going from one game to the other, but Somnium Files and Mario Party are probably my main kind of ones that I put a lot of hours into this year. I also started playing a lot of the N64 games on the N the NSO library. In fact, that was one of you know the switch and review thing you can do. That was one of my main. It was like Splatoon three, and then it was the Nintendo sixty four library, and we got into my love of Lilac Wars, which is Star Fox sixty four. If you're not from Europe, and yeah, it's just been a nice year of rediscovering things that didn't necessarily come out this year. And I finally started the very first Xenoblade game because I got it from my Secret Santa. So I've been playing that at the end of the year, and it was really cool. I've been all over the place with games in the last year. But Somnium Files, it's so good. Everyone go play it. It's amazing. Now for me, uh, I thought I played a lot of older games this year. And then when I looked through my list, I realized actually not so much, huh. <laughs> which is weird. Um, I had the real impression in the first half of the year that there was nothing new coming out that I really cared about. And I was just playing old games. And then I, I looked and I was like, this is it, really? But anyway, early in the year, I got to playing Disco Elysium finally because uh, I was sitting and waiting for the uh, the physical version of that one to come out. Uh, didn't love it as much as everybody else seems to love it. I just got really frustrated with it after a while because it took me so freaking long to figure out how to get into uh, the dock area. And then once I did get in there, the game just basically only had a few hours left because <laughs> I'd done everything else there was to do. Super frustrating. 80 Days was wonderful text adventure uh, based on Around the World in 80 Days, but it's more of a, a steampunk setting. And it has the challenge where you actually do have to circumnavigate the globe in 80 days, although if you don't succeed, it doesn't actually matter. The game just keeps going. Very good game, very cheap most of the time. Highly recommend that one. Ghost Runner is a really solid port. I picked that one up off the strength of its demo, how well its demo ran, even though uh, it's certainly much higher fidelity on other platforms, but they got it running really well here on Switch. And then finally played it this year, and uh, that holds up throughout. It's not just a fluke for the demo, how well those first few levels run. The entire game is like that. Very impressive port. And then for my indie games, you know, K's in the Wild Mass I played just a few weeks ago. Donkey Kong Country, very similar to that. Highly recommend that. And The Wild at Heart, which was one of the many indie Pikmin likes that I played this year. That was actually the first game I played this year was The Wild at Heart. That one is pretty good as well. It's not not as good as Tinykin, but it's good enough. I enjoyed it. So those are the games that we played this year that were not new. Uh, now for the big ones. Uh, the year in AAA exclusives. So go ahead, Sylvia. How did you feel about the AAA exclusives this year? It must have been a very long year because I didn't realize that Kirby... And the Forgotten Land was 2022. Yep. I felt that way too. Like the first half of this year just felt so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> that That's probably absolutely my pick of the year. Um, mm. And spoilers, maybe even my game of the year. I'll, I'll, I'll mull on it a little longer while we record, but I love that She still that has game. a picture game of the year. <laughs> I don't know. I, I never think like that. I just look at the games I've played and go, I like that. I mean, clearly I don't even know what time is, because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail you there. Oh, no, it's okay. I think I just don't try to rank things, usually. I just take things it's for what they are. probably healthy. <laughs> it's gaming. Everything's a competition. Everything has to be won. So I understand it, but I approach gaming differently, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, Kirby, fantastic. I think the Mario Kart 8 booster course pass. That's a mouthful. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, I think that's been a fantastic addition to, like, to revive an older game. I wish I'd do something like this for Mario Party, but the fact that it happened to one of my favorite <laughs> franchises is still awesome. It might happen to Mario Party if Mario Party had Mario Kart 8 sales numbers, but yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> Uh, it has been nice that Mario Kart 8 Booster Course Pass has been 
improving with each installment like we were all Mm. super critical of the first one like you know it's good but we can tell these are just ports of the mobile tracks but they've been doing a better job visually and they've been doing a better job of actually incorporating the mario kart 8 anti-grav stuff into the courses now and even the half pipes which weren't in mario kart 8 before so that's awesome Mm -hmm. I, i was sold on the first one but yeah definitely felt that sort of this was done very quickly and it feels like because there was a huge gap between i think wave two and three i I think they were taking their time with it for sure and i've I've i think a lot of people would have expected me to say splatoon 3 was a great triple a the single player was fantastic (laughs) and i just kind of stopped playing it maybe that's Fortnite's fault but i feel like (laughs) they just haven't nailed the life service element that they were going for and that just makes it frustrating uh the way that you unlock weapons now very frustrating with the whole weapon license thing i liked it at first but i don't know it it kind of forces you to use weapons that you really don't like i'm all for Mm. trying out a bunch of different weapons but for a veteran like me i already know that i don't like charges don't make me (laughs) use them (laughs) i kind of see the perspective because like once I find a gun I like, I'll just keep using it over and over and over, and I'll never even consider trying anything else. But mm. that's also what Salmon Run is for. Which Does Salmon yeah. Run still randomize the weapon that you get? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Within a pool of four, and then they do these yeah. like big ones where it's just a giant pool of weapons that you can get any of them, and you can double up and everything. It's very chaotic. Mm. But I mean, I didn't even go back to play Big Run, and I was really excited about that the entire time. But then when I found out that it was just Salmon Run on a multiplayer map, I was like, "Yeah, okay." And the reward was just a statue. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The wider reaction to Big Run seemed to be big deal. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least the the OLED Switch that I have is cool. I don't regret that. Oh. <laughs> It seems it sounds really sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor me buying a whole new console. <laughs> yeah, I think 2022 was a bit of a muted year for me because I'm looking at this list that you've made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bayonetta 3, good. I can't say much more on that. It was okay. <laughs> Fire Emblem Warriors, Three Hopes. They kept the same amount of the visual novel stuff, but with le- like quicker gameplay missions. And that just felt very weighted towards, you know, maxing out your characters and everything rather than actually playing the game. So I just kind of stopped playing that too. I I can't imagine playing that for three whole different paths. That seemed to be uh, more in line with Persona 5 Strikers, not not a soccer game somehow. Uh... (laughs) Well, Strikers, (laughs) you know, it was a little bit different. Mm Mm-hmm. The visual novel stuff was quite literally just reading cutscenes, which was in the original game as well. But with Fire Emblem, those missions could take like half an hour to an hour. And then you go back and spend, you know, 20 minutes fiddling with your characters and making their stats all good and whatever, and then going into the next mission. Whereas this was like the same thing, but then you do a mission in 10 minutes. So it just felt out of balance. I could just be old and grumpy, though. It, it just... <laughs> it really put me off, because I like the Muzo elements. Mm-hmm. But you barely got to play them. Rosalie, do you have anything to say about AAA exclusives? <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, one of the only people in the world that like Chocobo GP. <laughs> and I know it. they just announced that they're shutting the online down after, like, not even a year. But... Well, do you think they are really? Like, uh, uh, is that actually your opinion? That they're shutting it down, like they're shutting down development. My suspicion is they they did it like Nintendo does with their online games, where they have all the content pre-made and they just stagger when it releases over the course of a year. I don't think they were been developing new content for Chocobo GP all this time. I think they had races and characters pre-made with dates ready to release it, and they ran out. And now that they now they are. They're done. The game is over now. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because they also, they also announced they're shutting down, is it called Babylon Fall? Which is like a, <laughs> another thing. 
uh, and then they just also announced today that they're really going to focus on crypto stuff and I'm like Square Enix what are you doing <laughs> stop it <laughs> um, no. we don't get to, we don't talk about it on the show much but I really no. do I think Square Enix is the worst managed AAA studio by a significant margin I don't also, think that's an argument yeah <laughs> I know it's not coming to the Switch but I just want to have it you know here so people understand that the protagonist of the next Final Fantasy is called Clive <laughs> and that's just the it just baffles me. Uh, no, but Chocolate, what do you think? It's a butler you? name. I, yeah, it's just it's just weird. Uh, it's like Noctit. Noctis. Oh, sounds fantasy e Lightning. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, Bob. <laughs> this is John Final John? Fantasy. <laughs> um, but no, Chocolate GP. I, I, I like kart race. I love Mario Kart. Everyone, I think everyone likes Mario Kart. But I like kart racers that are trying something else. And uh, I've been a Final Fantasy fan since the late 90s. So it was very fan service in a good way. Um, there's like a little story mode. And you hear um, there's like cutscenes that are kind of directly scenes from Final Fantasy IX. And you hear Steiner and Vivi talk. And they're characters that don't normally get that kind of attention. Especially like Steiner of all people. And it was really cool seeing that inter- those interactions. I had a lot of fun with it. And I didn't spend any money on microtransactions. Because yes, the Good. company behind it, Tencent, are notoriously bad for that. But... A lot of people that reported on it didn't... If you play through the story mode, you unlock every single character. <laughs> it it didn't feel... They didn't... The microtransactions didn't actually feel bad for me because they were only if you wanted a, a chocobo of a certain colour or a sticker to go on the side of your car. It wasn't like... It, yeah, it wasn't as bad as was reported on, I don't think. And then they made it better anyway. No, I really... I had lots of fun with it. It's not my favourite kart racer in the world. My favourite is still Sega All-Stars which came mm. out a long time ago now. It's a good one. But no, it was, yeah, it was just fun. Um, I kind of like seeing games that are based on the Chocobo property because there was like Chocobo Tales on the DS, which is one of my favourite DS games back in the day. And I didn't play the dungeon exploring game that came out, that I think it was on the Switch, Is that come out a couple of years ago, but I still really want mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that, the kind of cutesy Chocobo world kind of storybook kind of property and how they do little games of it. I think it's really cute and I kind of want to see more of it. So I hope they don't kind of stop now. <laughs> and sadly, I didn't get to play Kirby this year and I still really want it. And I have a feeling if I did, it would have been my favourite thing ever because um, I'm obsessed with Kirby. But yeah, I didn't play that many. Oh, I guess I played Splatoon 3 a lot too. But no, I liked Chocobo GP. It wasn't that awful. It's quite cute. It didn't control that badly. And I actually won some of the, like, came first and on the online stuff. And it was like, yay. But I think if you're not a Final Fantasy fan, I think it'd be a bit rubbish. But that could be said about most Final Fantasy stuff these days is very fan service Also, before we move on, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear Andrew saying soccer instead of football earlier. <laughs> people know what I mean. <laughs> I know. I just, in case any other people from the UK are listening, like, they expect me to go, hmm. <laughs> If you're a recent listener to the show, when I am speaking gracefully and respectfully of the sport, I do call it football. Okay. Uh, when I'm being okay. scornful, I say soccer. <laughs> Those are the rules uh, I follow. Yeah. But you and I are from countries where we have our own like national sport. That's a variation of a football. That's why we have different words. Like, that's why we call it soccer. Because we have Australian rules football, and you have gridiron. Oh. That, that, that's what we call it, gridiron. I don't know if you call it gridiron over there too, but what's well, like American football is rugby. American yeah. so. gridiron is what we call like the playing field. I think. Okay. Uh, That's a word I've heard anyway. <laughs> I think next year looks a bit more interesting on the mainline game front for the Switch. But this year, I keep forgetting it's now this year. <laughs> eh. It's only the third day of the year. Who cares? Uh, I don't really have much to say about the AAA exclusives that Sylvie didn't already say. You know, Kirby and the Forgotten Land was really good, but it came out at the front end of the year, and I just I kind of forgot about it as time went on. I'm just trusting you that it came out this year, uh, last year. (laughs) It didn't have a lot of staying power with me. Uh, I felt the same way about Bayonetta 3. I, I thought that was a super big letdown. They had way too much hype built behind it, for starters, which didn't didn't help. And then, you know, I played 
all three games back to back back in October and felt Bayonetta 3 was actually the weakest of all three of them so that didn't help it any one more Harvestella came out this year and I was excited for that but I just haven't had time to start it I'm actually going to start it later today so we'll be talking about that in a coming episode uh, but the big AAA exclusives for the year, somehow, some way, stars aligned, we got two Pokemon RPGs released this year. Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus and Pokemon Gen 9 both came out. People have had feelings about both of them. Oh, yeah. uh, how are we feeling about both of them now at the end of the year, now that we've, had, we've spent... Legends has been out almost a year now, and Gen 9 has been wow. out over a month now on gen 9 our feelings on them changed at all which do we prefer i'm still all for legends arceus just staying firm on that um pokemon violet i just stopped playing at a certain point and i have no desire to go back i think i i was playing it really rapidly as well i think i was ahead of everyone and then i just went (laughs) am i having fun and I, i don't think i was i think i was just doing things i liked that arceus felt more about the exploration and collecting and researching a pokemon that focus on that story your player character actually has stakes in the story whereas in violet it's still happening to characters around you it feels and from what i've heard of the ending the player character still doesn't really have any they're just there while stuff happens (laughs) Sounds like a Pokemon game to me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I really liked Arceus, is that it kind of bucked that trend a little bit. Like, nothing mind-blowing. Other games still do it a hell of a lot better than Pokemon, but I liked that idea of the player character actually having stuff happen to them and then and having to respond, and that's you. You have to respond. That sort of stuff interested me. Uh, And it just seems like they took everything but that and took it into uh, Gen 9. I I think I just want something different out of Pokemon, and Pokemon Legends Arceus is just the closest I've ever gotten to getting what I'm after. Yeah, I still prefer Violet. (laughs) I loved loved both, but I really like the... the I don't want to spoil it. Um, because both of you, I don't think, have completed it. So no, but I've looked it up uh, and I've been told. Oh, okay. Uh, that yes. towards the end of Violet is probably my favorite conclusion to any Pokemon game ever. It's really cool and exciting. They introduce a really cool concept to the whole Pokemon world, and it kind of makes me interested to if they're going to kind of elaborate on it in the future. And I absolutely love the main characters in it. And they kind of set up what seems to be like hopefully DLC. And apparently they've also trademarked X, we trademarked X and Y really recently. So I wonder if that's going to play a part in it at all. But no, I just, um, I think Violet, I think I had got it at the like perfect time because it was gifted to me from a friend. And then all my friend, my main friend group all had a, their own copy. So we were all playing it at the same time. And we would go on the online and they would be talking about it. And even on Hogmanay, everybody brought their Switch over and we were like trading Pokemon that we didn't have and breeding eggs and things while there was like snacks and stuff. I have a lot of really fond memories with it despite it only being out for like a month now. The actual open world bit is really, really, really fun. And it's like, this is what I've been wanting from a Pokemon game for a long time now. And it was just really cool to finally see. I love the rival. It's probably my favorite rival out of any game. I don't know. I really liked Violet. It might be my main contender for Game of the Year this year. I just thought it was really fun. I will say, Nomoda is great. Yeah. One brain cell. <laughs> She's basically Goku <laughs> from Dragon Ball, but a Pokemon character. <laughs> uh, she just wants to fight all the time, and she's like, you've got this, and she's really supportive. And I'm like, oh, that's nice, because Gary slash Blue, was, he was a bit of a dick. <laughs> oh, I just really enjoyed it. I think I put 80 hours into it. Um, I don't think I'm going to 100% the Pokédex, though, because um, it's just laziness. I did really like Arceus 2. I kind of forget that that came out at the very start of the year. I think I just prefer the kind of story elements. Because, you know, in Arceus, like, whenever you went out, you're like, now you're in the Pokémon bit, and then you have to come back. I kind of liked that Gen 9 was like, you could just go wherever, and there was Pokémon just there. And the, it has some of the best 
gym leader designs and character designs ever like the team star designs are so awesome and to be fox did music for it which i also really appreciate because i love him so yeah I, I i think violet's the bigger contender for me all right tiebreaker injury <laughs> well i didn't play much of gen 9 when it first came out i played it that first weekend for the podcast but then uh, i went right back to octopath traveler because i wanted to finish that before the sequel was out but now i finished octopath traveler so i'm back on pokemon scarlet now i have a lot of mixed feelings about it uh the sandbox is actually really good i had a really great experience i've been exploring the southwest portion of the island that's really the only place i've been so far almost 30 hours put into the game now there's this city high up on this bluff that you're, you're really not supposed to get there until you have a couple of uh, Kuridon's movement abilities. You can swim in the water and you can climb up cliff walls, but there actually is a way to get up to that city without those abilities. You just have to find it, and it took me quite a, a few hours to wander around all the hills without any movement abilities but i did finally find that path to get up there uh, i'm no way ready to do the gym that's up there my pokemon are way too low level but there is a path up there if you can find it and that's actually really good sandbox design and as i've been looking around it's like i've been thinking this actually is a really well-made sandbox environment it's just not the best experience to live in it because mm. of the the graphical performance and the technical problems. Mm -hmm. And that's really where Legends gets the edge because uh, not only does it switch up the Pokemon gameplay where it makes the, the player character more central to the experience. Like I, I actually feel like that I'm playing as the character in Legends instead of just a ghost that throws Pokeballs, which is how I feel in Gen 9. Most of my time in Legends is actually spent throwing Pokeballs, and I'm only really doing battles when it's absolutely necessary, which I like, whereas in Gen 9 I'm just uh, basically going on a Pokemon genocide across the countryside. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really strange. Uh, and whenever I'm playing Gen 9, like even when I'm having a good time with it, I'm just thinking, God, Legends just felt so much better to play than this does with how you throw Pokeballs and how your Pokeballs react to the environment and how Pokemon react to you. Sometimes in Gen 9, you'll get a Pokemon chasing after you, and you'll be like, okay, I will reactively throw one of my Pokemon at it to get in its way, or to challenge it to a fight, and the Pokeball will just go whizzing right past it, and <laughs> your Pokemon will pop out in Let's Go mode, and will stand there and do nothing while this Rockruff is chasing you down, trying to uh, bite you. It's like, thanks, Pokemon, for doing nothing. That's a... Uh, Certainly not a problem that I had in Legends ever. I would really like to play a Pokemon game that has the Gen 9 sandbox and the Legends mm -hmm. Pokeball throwing kind of stuff and, and the stealth mechanics and the survival mechanics. It's a huge bummer in Gen 9 every time I have to stop and spend money on things because I, I really got very spoiled by if I need potions. I'll just craft a potion. Now I have a potion instead of having to spend money on potions. I got really spoiled by that. Like I have a a mountain of things of, of crafting materials in Gen 9. As I always do in an open world game, I always have a, a mountain of crafting materials, most of which I never get around to using, but that's just how I like to play sandbox games is to collect all this stuff. But the only thing I can use it for in Gen 9 is to make new TMs, which most of the time I don't need TM moves. There's only a handful of TM moves I really care about. Uh, whereas in Legends, I was constantly using my crafting materials to make revives, to make potions, to make new Pokeballs. I wish I could spend more time playing Legends, actually. But, you know, I finished Legends. I haven't finished Gen 9, so I've got to spend more time with Gen 9. Uh, I don't dislike Gen 9. Uh, I'm not uh, disrecommending it or not recommending it or whatever that phrase is that I'm trying to uh, <laughs> say. That that sounds more intelligent than I am. <laughs> but uh, of the two, I definitely prefer Legends. 
not just because of the technical performance, which is just much more impressive over there, but because it actually does something new with Pokemon. Really, the only thing that Gen 9 is doing that's new is the environment, which is very impressive, but technically speaking, is not living up to the standards of the series. All right, now the Switch has a reputation of being a port machine. Most people who have it just have it so they could play their favorite games portably. Uh, this, I feel, was a, a quite strong year for ports. Uh, we started off with Shadow Man Remastered, which was a really good port of a really so-so game. Uh, but from there, we, uh, we really got some great stuff. I noticed most of these are games that I played. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody want to highlight any particular ports they played they feel stand out? It's got to be the portal collection for me mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. came out of nowhere i love the obsession with portal for re-releases and like valve always likes revisiting that universe whenever they need to make a proof of concept for one of the new products like the index or the steam deck but yeah it still holds up it's still a fantastic puzzle game um both of them to be honest uh portal ones are like a bite-sized game that was really just released as an add-on alongside yeah. half-life 2 Something Portal 2 ain't all that long either, really. <laughs> Not that long, but Portal you can finish in like two hours. Yeah, and Portal 2 you can finish in like in like four, so... I don't think so. I think it's a little bit longer than that. Yeah. I finished it in about four, but anyway. Anyway, it's still a fantastic game. Lots of humor. Lots of great puzzles. We'll always recommend it whenever it comes up on the list. Uh, and I did play a fair bit of uh, Nier Automata, Automata, pick one. <laughs> I think it was a solid example of when people complaining about downgrades of visual performance in a video game for Switch. And once you start playing it, because it's a high-paced, uh, fast-paced game, you don't notice it in the heat of battle. Um, there's no real hitches or anything that I felt that affected gameplay and i kind mm-hmm. of forgot when you're in like a middle of a hectic fight you kind of just look at things a little bit more abstractly rather than just like highly detailed characters and models the only thing i noticed about near automata was there was some pop in in a few places where i was like oh that that's right this is a a port <laughs> of a yeah xbox one slash playstation 4 game uh but other than that if you had told me that this was a game made for switch i would have believed you the character models actually come over really well really faithfully the the facial animations hold up really well they look like facial animations you would see on on another platform they don't feel downgraded at all really strong port i think one of the best ports of this year i mean it it was called one of the the switch's miracle ports when it came out and that is absolutely the case uh if if all you're really looking for is you know a playstation 4 game you can play on switch near automata is one of your better options because it it barely feels like there's been any sacrifices made bringing it over absolutely which is really surprising considering how bad the pc port was when it first came over (laughs) well um, that's the whole thing (laughs) that's that's a whole issue around pc porting which has always been really hit or miss so yeah Mm. Rosalie, do you have any ports that you want to talk about? I didn't really play that many. Yeah. Um, you, I guess... Like, you don't have to if you don't want to. I'm just saying you, no. you, you did play Disney Dreamlight Valley and Pac-Man World. If I you, did. Yeah. I mean, they both run fine. Dreamlight Valley did have... There's a lot of issues. It's still early access. I say that in inverted commas. It doesn't mean anything. If they're yeah, selling exactly. it, it's a game. I don't care yeah. about early access. <laughs> um, I'm actually surprised at how good it does run. I mean, I think on every version, it would it would just like force shut down and have some errors sometimes. But the 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 online team are very good at um, updating people on like the social media um, profiles and things. And I I go back and play it every other week, and I've not had any of those issues really. I'm surprised it doesn't make my switch like explode because it's quite a I don't say graphic it's just there's a lot to it because there's a lot going on at the same time and I don't even know how many people in the game you can actually have in your valley at one time it's actually it's one of my games this year that I'm genuinely surprised at how fun it is 
Um, and I did actually play a bit the PC version and going, oh wow, <laughs> it looks a lot better. But the Switch version <laughs> doesn't look doesn't look bad. Um, and it's cross platform, so you can there's like a cloud save, so you can switch between PlayStation or whatever you want. The only annoying thing is because it's still early access, you'd have to buy it for the PlayStation and PC to play it, even if you already have a version of it. If you like Animal Crossing and you had New, uh, New Horizons and you're really bored of it and you're a Disney fan, the Switch version's great. I don't think I would play... I, I don't really like playing sim, like farming sims or games like it not portably because they feel like the perfect game to play while you're watching something in the background. I've got Buzz and Woody in my valley now and they're really tiny into scale and when you bring them over, they're like, whoa, you're not a toy. <laughs> and the writing in it was really funny. But yeah, it plays pretty good on the Switch. I'm surprised, but ha- happily surprised. I'm a bit worried that since it's this year, it's not going to be early access and it'll be free to play, that it's going to be riddled with microtransactions and be a bit rubbish, but fingers crossed that it's not going to be that. But, it absolutely know. will be. <laughs> it's a Disney game and it's going to have microtransactions. It's going to be a nightmare. I know. But did Disney have a really cool um, game coming out this year? So I'm hoping this is like the year of Disney games being really cool again. But no, it plays really nice in the Switch now and doesn't make my Switch overheat like some other games do. So there you go. For me, I echo Portal Companion Complexion and Nier Automata, two highlights of the year. Uh, as far as other miracle ports, there's Zombie Army 4 Dead War, which I think is one of the better shooters on the switch that you can get it has gyro aiming which works amazingly and the zombie shooter is kind of a a dead genre at this point there are so many of them you can choose from but this is really more of an uh an arcade shooter than you know the the survival shooter which is what the zombie shooter series has kind of evolved into it's a really high quality port highly recommend that one uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga Collection, which I think is up to this point the standard for the retro game collection, is just in terms of the number of games that are included in it and the uh, bonus material that you get along with it. This comes with so many like high-quality scanned images of concept art that they made for designing the game and all the manuals and all the advertisements for the game and even for some reason they included the technical manuals for the arcade cabinets so if you want to see how an arcade cabinet is assembled electronically those documents are included in this for some reason (laughs) completely pointless but still great to see has me excited to uh, play more collections like this which i've been buying for a long time but just the experience I had just in the in the latter half of the year, just every few weeks knocking out another, you know, little two hour eight bit retro game. I'm I'm doing that this year with the Castlevania collection now because I've had that for so mm. long, but have not actually done anything with it. <laughs> I bought it because it was a good bargain, but I never got around to playing it. Anyway, great year for ports. One of the better years in, in recent memory and definitely made up, I feel, for what was a rather lackluster year in terms of AAA exclusives. But speaking of those AAA exclusives and ports, uh, kind of an uh, amalgamation here because this does include Xenoblade Chronicles 3, as we mentioned earlier. This, I think, is the biggest year so far on the Switch for RPGs, if only because of a certain uh, game that we've been asking for a long time to get ported. Finally got ported, uh, but certainly Persona 5... Yes, Banjo-Kazooie. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Persona 5 Royal was not the only RPG to come out on Switch this year, though. Again, going down this list, I'm seeing, oh, these are all games I played. Uh, Did anybody (laughs) else play any RPGs this year that they want to highlight? I think on this list, um, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, a lot of what I played of it, just stopped playing it for some reason. I think 2022 was the year of starting games and not finishing them. Uh, finishing them for me. Well, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't help that world. Xenoblade Chronicles Three is heckin' long too. It's yeah, I got I think halfway through it. Fantastic game though. I, I really like what it's doing with the story. Uh, as always, a Xenoblade world is just fantastic. 
it looks beautiful. It runs decent on Switch. I didn't notice any issues. So I don't know if there were any, but big upgrade over 2. 2 was the first Xenoblade Chronicles on Switch, and it was just very blurry. Not nearly as bad now, at least with 3. Uh, and Persona 5 Royal, I've, yeah, I've been waiting for it for a very long time, and now that's here, I'm like, I got it. Cool. Now, what? Do I, I don't know if I want to play it again yet. It's like a 100-hour yeah. game. Mm-hmm. I adore it, but I think I'm more looking forward to Persona 3 and 4 that, that's coming out in a few weeks. I have Persona 5 Royal lined up to start it. Uh, it's going to be after uh, the Tales of Symphonia port that comes out in February. I've beaten that game three or four times. I know I can get through it pretty quick, so I don't think it's going to slow me down too much. Uh, but then, finally, things will be open from that point on. I can just concentrate on Persona 5, so I'm, I'm still waiting on it, but I will finally play it this year. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Yeah, same, actually. I'm actually wondering who you're, like, what characters you're going to hate out of the box and which ones <laughs> you're going to really like, and I can kind of guess some of them already, I think. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's really good. I think, like, it's just one of those games where I think is, like, probably one of... It has some faults, because it's Persona, but it's probably one of the best JRPGs there there is, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Heavily inspired Sakurai. Yeah. It's saying things like that is setting me up to not like it. <laughs> oh, no. <so. laughs> uh, Look, it might be the greatest game of all time, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Elden Ring, which ain't all that. So yeah. <laughs> Only if you watch the Game Awards. I never watch that. It's a waste of time. Yeah, I never agree with it. Um, also, looking at this list, the Crisis Core remake. Um, I never played the original, so that's definitely something that's on my list. But I feel like I'm gonna get it on PlayStation to keep the franchise together. Yeah, I I got it on the PS5. And I played the original. It just feels like a PlayStation game to me. Yeah, I, I feel like that. that's one of the problems that I have with Switch is some of the fragmented franchises. Mm-hmm. I know that Final Fantasy, you know, it doesn't matter if you play them out of order. Like, the numbers just correspond to when they were released, not to a story. It still feels weird to have it split up over several platforms. Mm-hmm. Same with Resident Evil. I just need it all in one place. <laughs> well, I have good news because all the Resident Evil games are on Switch, so yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> playable on Switch. Quotation mark playable. I don't count Seven or Village; those games are butt. Anyway, uh, RPGs oh. that haven't been mentioned yet: Triangle Strategy, which uh, I'm soldiering through. <laughs> We've talked about a lot of. Uh, strategy rpgs especially grid-based strategy rpgs and how i struggle to stick with them Uh, i'm having that problem with triangle strategy my goal is to just play one chapter every weekend uh most weekends i don't bother Uh, but i am still playing it i'm still working my way through it i'm about halfway through the game now uh, but it's just not the kind of game where i can just sit down and just play through it in one or two sittings like I usually do with the game. It just I, I play one battle and I'm like, I'm done. I'm good for at least a week, if not a month or two months. <laughs> but I'm still actively working through Triangle Strategy, and it's a good strategy RPG. It's probably considered to be quite easy uh, compared to other games uh, of its style, especially compared to Final Fantasy Tactics or Ogre Battle. Like, one big breakthrough I had in Triangle Strategy was when I discovered spells don't have friendly fire, which I just assumed they did, because when you play a strategy RPG, usually when you target an offensive spell on one of your allies, it's going to hit them. I assumed it would do that here. It actually doesn't. And that really just blew open what I was able to do. Is like, <laughs> everybody gets a fireball. You're all going to die now. <laughs> but, uh, the story is also really good. I've really admired what the story is doing there's not a lot of supernatural you know god stuff going on yet that stuff might still show up later on i'm only about halfway through the game but mostly it's just uh, political 
machinations and you know this regent is doing this thing and is inserting people into other people's governments so that way they can do coups it's a a more grounded political story which i appreciate alive alive came out halfway through the year i found it mostly forgettable as much as i wanted to like it it's an incredible kind of remake because it's a game that wasn't very well known that got as big a budget as it takes to make one of the 2d hd style games and it, it isn't that long as far as you know modern rpgs go where we already talked about xenoblade chronicles 3 which is like a 120 hour game at least <laughs> and then live alive is like a 30 hour game that's refreshing but <laughs> by the time i got to the end of live alive i was just kind of sick of it i didn't even go for uh the good ending i, I got the bad ending and i was like that's it I'm done because I just I I just can't put up with this battle system anymore. I'm just tired of dealing with it. So, live live came out. Not a highlight of the year for me. Now the other thing that the Switch excels at, other than ports, are indie games. And again, looking down this list, almost all games I played. So does <laughs> anybody have any uh, indie games that they want to highlight for the year? Uh, I mean, I'll highlight the two games that. I've played on this list because uh, they're both good. Uh, the Stanley Parable came to Switch. Uh, it's got a whole bunch of extra stuff in it. So if you have played it before, there's still something new to discover. And it's just fantastic stuff as well. Uh, actually, I noticed I've put three games on here. Bug Snacks was good, but I just, again, stopped playing it. Uh, it's cute. It's really cute. I really like it. Uh, lots of uh, queer representation in it too which was I, I didn't know about that before going in so that was like a really pleasant surprise and then neon white i think if you really like fast-paced and very skill-focused video games you'd like it but i don't think it's a game for everyone it's very full-on weird <laughs> it's, it's also weird but indie games they're all weird <laughs> affectionately I say that. I do a website that just does nothing but review indie games, so I, I always play a ton of indie games every year. This was a a year with a lot of highs and lows for Switch indies for me. A lot of the games that I really looked forward to actually were kind of letdowns. Like Bear and Breakfast was probably the biggest letdown of the year for me because I was really looking forward to that premise. You're a bear who runs a bed and breakfast that's that's an amazing concept for a video game and then they just made the game such a chore to play that it just it wasn't fun <laughs> it sucked all the whimsy out of it cult of the lamb was one that i was really looking forward to and it wasn't bad but it also wasn't great either it was just a, a so-so game that was a kind of a letdown but there were a lot of highlights as well. I think uh, in early in the year, one of the first great games of the year I played was Infernax, which is a side-scrolling action horror game that draws a lot from uh, Zelda 2 and Castlevania 2 on NES. It's taken like the best elements of those games and has updated them and polished them up in the way that indie games do so well with retro games and has really done a lot to highlight why those two games which are commonly recognized as the black sheep of their respective franchises are actually pretty good games midway through the year shredder's revenge came out maybe it's a stretch to call this an indie game but it's from an indie developer even if they did get a big name franchise to uh, work with so i'm counting it here it takes all the great things about arcade beat-em-ups especially the teenage mutant ninja turtles arcade beat-em-ups probably the games that that franchise is best remembered for and updates them and just makes it a really fun and appealing package and a really fun game to play elikhead came out about the same time as shredder's revenge a really great you know and brief puzzle platformer you can get through in about two hours not a lot to it but solving electricity-based puzzles using this little character that has a battery for a head. Some clever ideas in there. Probably the best indies this year, I, I think the, the Switch ports aren't as good. So I, I do caution playing these games on Switch a little bit, but 
speaking broadly about the games themselves, like Tinykin and Tunic, two of the best indie games released this year, even if uh, the Switch ports aren't so great. Taken collectively, everything that we played this year, what would you say is your personal game of the year? Sobi, go ahead. Start with you. I think I'm sticking with Kirby. Sorry for the suspense earlier in the episode. Uh, I'm not changing my mind. Kirby was just the standout. It, it still doesn't sound right that it came out this year. And I don't know if this is a comment or a reflection on the quality of games that has come out in the last year, or if maybe I'm just starting to reevaluate my relationship with video games. But I just haven't felt as passionate about it this year. Nothing like mm. the few times I've felt hyped. I've been let down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's just kind of leading to a, a certain sort of pessimism. I, I'm worried about Tears of the Kingdom next year. I really am. Like, yeah. If... Uh, I'm getting the new Fire Emblem this month, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll be fine and I'll like it, but I don't think I'm going to walk away from that going, wow, what a great video game. I, I just. I don't know. I, I think I'm just waiting for something to really rekindle my love of video games this year. Hopefully it happens. We need surprises, not just, you know, rehashes of last year's big hit. Yeah, not just sequels or the latest installment or even homages to great games. It does feel a little bit repetitive right now in the games industry. I'm sure the pandemic has something to do with it, but I wouldn't blame it on the pandemic. Just this year, it was hard to pick a game of the year. And that's not to discredit Kirby. It's a fantastic game. I loved every second of it. I loved the secret hunting in it. Uh, I loved the final boss and the the new take on it. But I don't know. I forgot that it came out this year. It didn't stick with me afterwards. God. I am just getting old, huh? (laughs) (laughs) having an existential crisis this episode don't mind me <laughs> midlife crisis on the podcast <laughs> i should buy a sports car i should buy a that boat could, that could be really <laughs> <theme> <laughs> now, rosalie what about you i'm kind of similar because i literally thought before recording today that i was like i played so much i know everything and i'm like what did i actually play this year weirdly there's a game i haven't finished and it is on the switch but i didn't play it on the switch and i would actually i i think when i do finish it it will be sonic frontiers because it tried something different i don't know how it runs on the switch i heard mixed things whenever sega try something different i prefer that than them just being like look it looks like the 90s sonic you love and it's like just be more adventurous do something cool and they did and i really like what they did oh it's just there's bits where you get to be supersonic and the music's all ramped up because the soundtrack is amazing and it's like oh my god and it's so it's just so fun and it's probably one of the games that i've played this year that has stuck with me but i don't know if i can count it because it wasn't i didn't play the switch version so it'll probably have to be splatoon 3 i'm like i'm like Sylvia, where I'm just like, I loved Splatoon 3, but then I was disappointed in some things, but I still love it. I'm like torn in a lot of game like opinions this year, or the past year. It's very weird. It's a weird year. Yeah. A lot of the games I like played this the last year that I was like, whoa, are games that came out uh, a few years ago. So, <laughs> and I was just catching up to them because they were on whatever, you know, PlayStation Plus or what have you. If I can't count Sonic Frontiers because I played the PS5 version and not the Switch version, then it'd probably be Splatoon 3. Yeah, the single player was really, really fun. And I got the Amiibo set for Christmas and they're really, really cute. And they're actually like probably some of the best Amiibos that have come out so far. And I haven't used them yet because they're still in their little uh, box. Yeah, it'll be Splatoon 3. I'm really in hope that the DLC they bring out is adds more layers to it. I'll, yeah, I'll say Splatoon 3, but this year has been a bit, we definitely get the kind of the weirdness on the game front, but I think the releases this year are like, every month has something, I'm like, whoa, 
I want that and I need it. So I'm kind of more in hopes for this year. And I know by the end of the year, my decision will be, my choice will be Zelda. So, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just know me. But I'll go with Splatoon 3, but technically I guess it's Sonic Frontiers. I know, I don't think you two are Sonic fans. So I'm like the, the resident <laughs> token Sonic fan. <laughs> <laughs> I had Sonic OCs as a kid and everything. I'm one of those. So it's Splatoon 3, but technically Sonic Frontiers. That's my final answer. Are you sure about that? <laughs> For me, I got to go with Pokemon Legends Arceus, just because I think uh. like we just referenced how uh, stagnant it feels like games are getting, and like even big games are just like last year's. The sequel to last year's big hit or the rehash of mm-hmm. last year's big hit pokemon legends arceus felt like it was doing something new with something old and that is my main reason for picking it just because of all the games this year that i wish i had time to you know go back and play like even though i've already finished it that is the one and only game i'm like i really wish that i i would be able to uh give more time to that if i wasn't constantly playing New releases, mostly for the podcast. This, <laughs> If I wasn't doing the podcast, I would probably still be playing Pokemon Legends. Let's put it that way. Uh, just a great game, and uh, I think a game that is already experiencing this, but o- over time I think will be better and better remembered. Uh, but in light of Gen 9 coming out and all of its uh technical problems and just the critical backlash against it legends was already getting reevaluated and i think over time uh it'll just be treated better and better and i really hope that that is the game that this pokemon series gets built off of going forward and doesn't just remain this weird experimental spin-off they made once and then ignored for the rest of time because pokemon gen 9 sold 10 million in its first weekend <laughs> <sighs> anyway, <laughs> not not to not to uh, discredit Gen Nine entirely, because as I said, I am enjoying Gen Nine. I just like Legends Arceus a lot more to the point that it is my game of the year. Thanks for listening to this episode of End Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. And you can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and The Power of X. And be sure to join our Discord server to interact with our lively GamePodular community. You can follow us on Twitter and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other comments. Links are found in our show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a Game Podular Patreon, and the details for both are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by me, and you can follow me on Twitter at PlayCritically and read my long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. Rosalie is at LittleRecordGirl, that's L-I-L RecordGirl, on Twitter, and Sylvia can be found on Twitch.tv slash SylvieTory. <laughs>